Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Just like that, the final hour is here on the Friday edition of Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network. Chad, the show flying by. It final is. hour jam-packs, gun show. Mike Gunzelman from Outkick will be in studio with us coming up in 20 minutes. Plenty of headlines to hit going into the football weekend. And got a Emmy sports winner, four-time, joining us to kick off the hour. It's not you or me. It's, no, 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 no. Just to be clear, it's, it's no, definitely not no, us. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Michelle Tafoya joins us. Always great to have you on, Michelle. Hope things are well. Everything's great, guys. How are you? We are great. Uh, plenty to hit with you today. Uh, it, let's start with your new documentary. You've got the, the documentary film uh, debuting, Triangle Park. Uh, AMC Theaters debuting yep. November 22nd. And AMC Theaters in all 32 NFL markets. Triangle Park, about the Dayton, or, yeah, the Dayton Triangles. And yeah. the, the first game for the NFL from 1920. Chad and I are fascinated with the story and can't wait to watch this. Tell us uh, how you got involved, what piqued your interest with it, and what we're going to learn. Well, I, you know, it's, first of all, it's a story I didn't know. You know, I covered the NFL for Same. three decades, and I didn't know this story. It's really cool. Uh, first game ever, Dayton Triangles. They played at a place called Triangle Park, and it's because it's kind of shaped like a triangle. I went there, uh, but I met the producer and director, the guy who wrote this, Alan Farst, over the phone. And he had uh, produced a film about uh, Chuck Lavelle, the keyboardist for the Rolling Stones, called Tree Man. And it won all kinds of awards. And I looked at that and I thought, wow, this is this guy's doing this film. I, I'm in. I looked at the footage that he had shot. He kind of did some reenactments that looked historic. They were really, really, really well done. So I said, can I narrate? And so I am. I'm the narrator. We recruited the likes of Chris Collinsworth, Troy Aikman, Tony Dungy, Larry Fitzgerald, uh, Joe Buck, Susie Culver. The list goes on. Sean McVay, Cooper Cup, Ben Roethlisberger, Eric Dickerson are all featured in the film talking about how this very first game really set things off. And so it's a really cool story. I can't believe it hasn't been told before. And we're really proud to have it airing in AMC theaters next Wednesday, the Thanksgiving Eve, good way to kick off the Thanksgiving yes, weekend. Absolutely. And uh, obviously football, a big part of Thanksgiving as well. So that's a perfect yeah. way to, to lead into it. Uh, I, I feel like narrating someone will be a lot of fun. Uh, what, what was that process like? That, that's always something when you you're watching a documentary and you're hearing the narrator, I'm thinking, that that's gotta be a cool job to go in and be able to read these lines and, and, and discuss the movie. Yeah, it it was a lot of fun. It was an honor, really. And, you know, so much in reporting. Gosh, I've covered Olympic Games. I've covered Final Fours. I've covered so much. And you do a lot of pieces, long-form pieces, particularly in my early years. And that was one of my favorite parts was doing the voiceover. So this was really similar to that. Worked on a script, and we collaborated on it. And uh, hopefully it comes through the way we wanted it to. Um, but it was really fun. I, I hope I can do more like this because it's it's just a blast. Who is the expert? on the triangles and triangle park who is the go-to oh. person well now it's alan farst our director and writer he lives there in dayton he did all the research and um so he really 
he really mapped it out for us. And uh, it's really fun because Joe Buck actually in the film does a reenactment of, of a play. He calls it as if he would have called it back then. And uh, so we all kind of learned along the way together and talked about really why football is important to us, why we love the game so much. And so it starts from that first game in 1920 and all of the social things that were going on, women getting the right to vote, lots of other things. And it's just sort of dovetails from there. But we all get to talk about our own experiences. Joe Theismann is in it. Uh, Terry McCauley, longtime NFL ref, is in it. So there's just a lot of storytelling, uh, but it really centers around that that first game and some of these studs who played in that first game. Michelle Tafoya, uh, our guest, November 22nd. You can check it out uh, in NFL cities like right here in Nashville and, again, 31 yes. others, uh, November 22nd at AMC Theaters. Uh, Michelle, that saw your reaction to Carissa Thompson admitting with, uh, pardon my take, and, and she's done this a, a couple of years prior with Aaron Andrews, I believe, on her podcast about making up halftime reports, sideline reports, based on not talking to a coach, timing issues, or whatever else. Um, the reaction's been brutal. And yeah. I, I think rightfully so, based on what the perception might be moving forward about said reports, just from someone that the general public and, and football fans in general would know based on how often she's on the biggest games. Yeah, it's it's disappointing. I like Carissa. I, I've worked with her a little bit. I, I thought she was a really nice, cool person. I was surprised when this came out. But now there are kind of dual stories going on. I'm I'm afraid for her in that admitting this, her life has become a string of memes and it's just going to be, you know, make uh, Carissa, according to Carissa Thompson, you know, Joe Burrow had his hand amputated last night. Things like that are going to keep <laughs> yeah, right. happening, you know, and it's that to me is is too bad for her. But I also understand the reaction of all the other sideline reporters who have worked really, really, really freaking hard. And believe me, it's hard work. It's not just the day-to-day -day grind. It's the getting the trust of the coaches, the GMs, the team owners, the players to all feel comfortable talking to you. So to admit that, you know, you didn't have time to talk to a coach, so you just sort of said something like, oh, they want to be better on third down. I mean, and then to today she's tried to clarify it and say, I, I never did anything like that. I'm I'm unclear then on what she means. She said it twice now. Um, it's disappointing. It's, but then there's this other kind of parallel story taking place now. And that's all these people saying, you're coming down too hard on Carissa Thompson. It's not like you're all Woodward and Bernstein, which is really an insult to what we do. Um, yes, we are the less, the least known person on the broadcast. When I worked with Al and uh, John Madden, I was the third. When I worked with Al and Chris Collinsworth, I was the third, Al Michaels, of course. So I understand that. But when Gary Kubiak collapsed on the field in Indianapolis and we thought he might die, it was important. And I had to be there. Uh, there was a game when the Chargers were still in San Diego, when two major stars got injured in the game. They didn't have a sideline reporter. It was in, during this weird space of time where CBS stopped using sideline reporters. And the people who were screaming that sideline reporters were useless were suddenly going, where's the information on these two injuries on the Chargers? So you can't have it both ways. Um, we do the damn best that we can. And I'm telling you, it's not easy. It's thankless. It's physically hard work. So to kind of pass it off as though it's just, you know, they told us they need to be better on defense. Unfortunately, sometimes that's all the coach will give you. 
But if you're in that situation, you've got to dig deep, get creative, dig into your bag of information and all the nuggets that you've mined all week, hey, all year, and come up with something better or just say, hey, you know what, to the producer, I got nothing for this halftime report. Let's just skip and go on to the next thing. Yeah, so it's it's disappointing. Yeah, and sorry to cut you off there, Michelle. No, it's uh, and, and that, that's what I want to ask you about. Uh, and and the, the last line in her statement today was, working in media, I understand how important words are, and I chose the wrong words to describe the situation. I'm sorry. I have never lied about anything or been unethical during my time as a sports broadcaster. Basically saying she didn't say what she said. Or she didn't yeah. do what she claimed she did uh, on yeah. the podcast. Um, the the sort of force, like, hey, we're going to go to you to start the second half, right? Yeah. But and, yeah. and that's you know when when you chime in when uh, Andrea Kramer, uh, uh, you know uh, uh, Tracy Wolfson, I see these reporters chime in. I'm like, well, yeah, I, I don't know anyone that thinks that you guys aren't great at what you do, right? That have done it for a long time and built up that reputation. Do you feel like though that people are going to lump you guys in with this statement or are football fans and people smart enough to see the difference in, in the work that's being done a lot of places? Well, I think kind of like in any other profession, people have their favorites. People understand really where the skilled players are. And, and some people who are real fans will get that. Others will lump us all into one group. And, and that's too bad. I mean, Leslie Visser posted something today. She didn't do it herself. Someone did it on her behalf that, you know, when she started in the business, the credentials said no women or children in the locker rooms. So we come all this way only to run into this, you know, was her point. And I think that's correct. Um, th there is so much work that goes on. I can't even tell you. So yes, a lot of it, people think you, if you interview the coach on camera, which we stopped doing on Sunday night football. What we did instead was I talked to the coach walking in, did it off camera, gleaned my information and tried to put together a cogent and meaningful report on each coach. When a coach wouldn't talk to me, which was very rare, I would say, you know, Andy Reid chose not to speak to us at halftime, but he told us earlier before the game, he was really concerned about this. And sure enough, it's, it's playing out. I mean, there's, there are ways around it. So, you know, uh, I think this is just a, an unfortunate moment and maybe even more unfortunate for the people that are saying, this is no big deal. You're not Woodward and Bernstein. You know, that that's, I, I find that m almost more insulting than anything. Michelle Tafoya, our guest on Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow here on Outkick. Um, how much more likely were you to get decent to good information by not having the coach on camera if you were talking to him, going to the locker room or coming out of the locker room? That's why we did it. Because yeah. you are far more likely to get good stuff. I mean, things that Tom Coughlin, Mike Zimmer, uh, when I was doing the NBA, Greg Popovich would say to me off camera uh, and let me, you know, kind of call it together and take out all the expletives. It was some of it was absolute gold. Some of it was absolute gold. And I'll never forget the moment that I was down there at a Dallas game and Bill Parcells came out of the locker room at halftime and he pointed at me and he said, come here. And he said, I'm taking Bledsoe out of the game. Tony Romo's my quarterback. That was at halftime. No one else had that information but me in that moment. So I, I'll never forget shouting to the producer. We had this dopey little phrase, red dog, red dog, when we thought it was a big, 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 important report. So they threw right down to me. And I was able to break that news. So, it, you know, it, it, there are moments where it's super worthwhile to have a, a sideline reporter yes. there. And um, they, they may not have an ever happen every time, 
Uh, but when you are there and you're prepared and you've got the relationship with someone, it can be, it can, it can, you can be mining for gold, like I said. Yeah, and I think that by and large, those reacting, you know, the fans, uh, public, whatever, to, to Carissa, I think by and large, I said this yesterday, Michelle, she wouldn't be able to lie about that, those reports, you know, that the right. quarterback change, the injuries. It yeah. would be the, the boring interview that we sometimes see based on a coach that just doesn't want to say anything, and they're right. going to say the same cliche answers every yes. time. And I think, quite frankly, some of the coaches would love to not have to talk and just say, we need to stop no the No question. Um, no question. That's the clarity, I think, that needs to come out of this. It's not the, the true news info that's packed in that validates why you guys are, are, were or are on the sideline. It's... Well, yeah, to our knowledge, no coach ever got upset with something Carissa Thompson said no, about her saying, hey, they talked about playing better defense or getting the run game going. Would, to our knowledge, that didn't happen. It would be nearly impossible to do it as long as I, she did it and, lie, and make up a story or a report based on an injury, right? In, right, right. It, so the point is not that, you know, you can say, well, all the things that she said that mm -hmm. she lied about, that she said that she kind of made up were pretty benign, right? Right. But the point is, when someone stands in front of a camera and says, I spoke to the coach and he said, now you're quoting someone. And listen, um, there have been times where a coach thought I misquoted him and I had to go play the tape for him in his office to show that I didn't misquote him. So it, it again, it, it there are very nuanced things that happen here. So it's not necessarily that, oh, it was such earth shattering news that she did or didn't deliver. It's the point that you have the responsibility to stand there and say that you are telling your audience and your announcers up in the booth, by the way, uh, that what you gathered was from the source you said it was from. Uh, so I, I just I think she is saying today that she didn't do anything untoward, that it was, you know, never to that extent. Um, th maybe that's true. But the idea behind it, the idea that you would confess to, gosh, I just couldn't get to the coach, so I just made something up is it's I, I think it's professional fraud. And I think that in a lot of other industries and in a lot of other positions on the on the broadcast, you would you would be held up and you would be punished for that. I'm not expecting her to get punished. I don't want her to get punished. She's she's been punished enough in the last 48 hours. Yeah, and, and something you said, Michelle, you know, you're, you're technically number three on the call sheet, right? When you're the yeah. sideline yep. reporter. Well, that's true until you're not. Until there's a catastrophic injury or there's yeah. a fight that happens yes. or there's exactly. something going on in the stands or something. Yep. And I know when I'm watching, I think that's the separation point yeah. of yep. just like any line of work. There are people who are good at what they do and people who are not so good at what they do, right? When right. you're watching a sideline reporter, is that where you really get the good evaluation is how they handle themselves and the info they get in those moments where the number three becomes the number one? Absolutely. I mean, absolutely. And that's um, and when I have been in those situations, uh, it it requires a level of calm and focus and objectivity and just absolute. I, the, the focus is the best word I can get to that. You have to be spot on. Yeah, you want to be first, but you want to be right. And so all of that information gathering is hugely important. And it's you you can't mess that up, but particularly on a national broadcast. I mean, I, I'm sure I've made mistakes. In, I know I've made mistakes in my life, but I've never put together a fake report. And that's 
I think there's that's the big difference here. Is it's it's and people again will say, oh, it's just sports, whatever. But that's her job. That's her job. And it's difficult to find clarity in news and social media and what's reporting and what's not. Yeah. It's, uh, I'm with you, Michelle. Michelle yeah. Tafoya has yeah. been our guest. Uh, her documentary, Triangle Park. Check it out at AMC Theaters, November 22nd. Go oh, see it. In the 32 <laughs> NFL cities at AMC Theaters. Uh, this is going to be uh, fascinating. Chad and I can't wait to see we, it. We will go see it for sure. Yes. Good. And we're I can't wait to hear what you Tons think. of questions that we will uh, try to come out and explain uh, on the show here as well. Michelle, let's do this again soon. Always enjoy your conversation. Likewise, guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you. There's Michelle Tafoya, the best. Some really good inside yeah. baseball stuff there. Uh, She's downplaying what, what she meant to the broadcast she was a part of, too. Yeah. But, I, I think those that know sports and watch it, uh, there's no, there's no question <laughs> about this. Some of the, the some of the people the who have responded to this, I never had a question about their work right. or how good they were or right. valuable they were to a broadcast. And they still should not. I think that's the yeah. overall point. We don't question Mike Gunselman, the gun show, the energy in studio next. Chad and I am pretty confident. I'm assuming Davey is as well on a wrong team favor going into the weekend in college football. Well, oh, I'm not confident at all. Really? Zero confidence. Tough to have confidence when you're 0 for the season, Hutton. So I, I don't have a lot of confidence Fair in enough. my pick. I've, I've, had confidence I've also in just decided to say uh, screw it and just go with an enormous line this week in hopes that I throw a Hail Mary and my wow. team comes down with it. So there you have it. So you're going with Abilene Christian over Texas A&M? Chattanooga, baby. Over, <laughs> over Bama this week. It's happening. Hot Mike with Hunter with our Worlds on here on the Outkick Network. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Eha Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. And a frequent uh, partier here at Sixth and Peabody. Uh, and, uh, and guest is... He's a patron. A patron of Sixth and Peabody. Yeah. Patron's being too polite, Chad. Yeah. Uh, Mike Gunsman, the gun show from pa Outkick here. The patron that loves Patron. How yeah, you doing? there you go. Well done. And well done. Nice play on here. words. Of course, yes. Uh, I love the hat. Yes. Always rocking the hat. Love Always. that. Uh, Guns, you've got the, the, the story, and you're, you know the details here, of uh, Dave Portnoy, who is going after the NFL and the Bengals. and It's wild, man. Bur Burrow, based on not being on the injury report and the wagering that went behind this game last night on Thursday Night Football. I mean, it, it was kind of crazy. So there's a, there's, there is some backstory to this. I know some people might be passing it off. It's like, oh, it's no big deal. But when you really consider and, and, and take a step back and, and realize that for years – you guys are fellow sports broadcasters, obviously. We couldn't talk about sports betting. You were not allowed to talk about the betting aspect of sports, whether you were on TV, radio, no matter what it was. And now because of the, uh, the, the ad revenue that's coming in and the agreements and, you know, there's stadiums and uh, arenas named literally after sports books, there has become a, uh, uh, you know, a blurring the line, if you would. So when last night, when the Bengals had originally tweeted out the video of Joe Burrow coming off the team plane and walking around and uh, with having something on his wrist. They deleted that. Hmm, interesting. And what ends up happening? He gets hurt from a wrist injury. So Dave Portnoy has, uh, has tweeted out multiple times that uh, he thinks this is a class action lawsuit. And I don't believe that, uh, that he's, he's lying about it because it is about the – you cannot have this if you are the Cincinnati Bengals, if you are the NFL. You cannot 
have this out there with the public when when there's so much already did the refs screw us are the refs involved there's so much overlap already that you cannot take a chance with this and Porter right. believes there's a class action lawsuit also he bet $100,000 on the game for the for the Bengals to win 100k uh it it's fascinating to me because the NFL seemingly always has the power uh, over everything. They're always the one that has the better hand to play in whatever negotiation they're doing. They seem to always kind of get their way. I am curious, though, with this story, Guns, if if we see a, an example where the sports books could flex some muscle with them, right? It's not often that we've seen the NFL be on the side of, uh, oh, someone's going to do something to us now. Someone's right. going to make us do something. That would be a different spot for Roger Goodell to be in. But, but don't you think I mean, it's the team's responsibility to obviously disclose? Clearly something, yes. even if it was just oh, like, absolutely. is going to play. Didn't I, but it was, the, it was up to the team to do that. Why didn't they? And when there's so much behind the scenes from a public perception, where it used to be 10, 15 years ago, if you were doing sports gambling and you, like, you were going to get your legs broken, you know, like it was always like, oh, it's in the back of a bar somewhere 15, 20 years ago. Now that it's so prevalent that college kids can do it rather than, you know, rather than eat because they're just going to, oh, mom, you gave me $250 for the week to use at the cafeteria. I'll spend $25 there and just bet the rest away. You can't do that anymore. And did they purposely, did they purposely not disclose it? And why? And I would love, I would love to read the receipts here. I would love to see the chain of command, the chain of messages that happened. Why did the Bengals delete that tweet? Did somebody say, hey, you can't because the, the immediate reactions, thousands of them, by the way, were all like, what the hell's on his head? What the hell's on his wrist? And they didn't disclose that. Somebody had to tell somebody who had access to be like, pull that down. We could get in a lot of trouble. Well, the question is, my friends, are they going to get in trouble? Because people are pissed. And Porter is like, listen, class action lawsuit. I'm sure others can jump on board. It goes beyond just refunding the bet. Refunding the bet is a cop-out. All right? Oh, so-and-so got hurt early on. Aaron Rodgers, for example. He got hurt a lot of, you know, first drive of the game. A lot of the books ended up refunding his bet. Rightfully so, okay? Like, rightfully so. Thank God. But this was something more. This is like, did you know ahead of time and you didn't say anything? That's sketch. So, Major League Baseball, uh, they really had a change of heart here, Guns. They decided after taking the All-Star game out of Atlanta because of a, a voting rights bill uh, a couple years ago. I think it was a couple years ago now. Yep. Uh, they, they decided, hey, uh, let's just not acknowledge it or apologize for taking that away. Let's just give the game back to Atlanta in short order. Yeah. And you want to know something? We could be in 2021 right now. Nothing, nothing changed from the actual law itself. Which kind of, uh, it, it's, it, it, it's wild to me because MLB stood out and they said, hey, this is wrong. Manfred was like, I refuse to, uh, you know, uh, agree to this unless the law has changed. Nothing has changed from the law. The only thing that was struck down from the law, from legal challenges, was the part that you can't ha hand out food and water from, uh, to those that are waiting in line. That's the only part about change from it. You want to, so, like, it, well, let me ask you this. Not even ask you, but let me tell you. Besides the legal aspect about it, what did change? Why would Major League Baseball suddenly, you know, have a have a uh, a different thought, a different opinion? Well, 
Truist Park, which is where the Atlanta Braves play, that whole area is pretty much the gold mine, the pinnacle, what Baltimore and other areas around the country want to do with their sports teams because it is crushing it right now. 30 plus million dollars in tax revenue. The Atlanta Braves, by the way, were also up there to win the whole entire World Series this year. It's funny how you'll stand on a, uh, a moral high ground. Oh, let's go. And then guess what? You sell out just a couple years later. That's what it came down to. I think that there was a lot of political pressure. You had, I believe Coca-Cola had pulled out some sponsor uh, advertisement. They were worried about a, a, a backlash, a, a uh, you know, a protest. They didn't want to get involved. So instead, they went with the quote-unquote moral high ground and nothing has changed except the almighty dollar. It's well, funny that, how that works out. They caved to the mob, and what they should have done is taken the Dana White approach. When someone told right. him to take down a post and just yeah. said, no, uh, we're, not, we're not doing that. that, yeah. that and you, you do that by not responding. If you're Major League Baseball, you don't have to say a word. You just keep the game in Atlanta and continue about your business. That was the mistake they made. So they're going, they're going to Arlington next year, right, for the Rangers? Right. And then Atlanta. 2025, and, and yeah. The Cubs are in the mix too, right? Or are they not? Well, they were, but not anymore. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess they they'll, got bumped. They'll get one too because it's been a while. And then uh, Baltimore's the other one that it, where it's been well, quite some time. Well, Baltimore's a mess right now. Yeah. I mean, that Quite owner, some time yeah. since they've, they've hosted the All-Star game. Uh, Guns, the, the aspect of the All-Star game, the local economy, all of it, <laughs> removing it, Taking it to Colorado, where there's similar laws in place. Yeah. It, and, it, yeah. And not even thinking about it from that perspective. But no backlash in, in that regard. It was just removing it from where it was, not where it was going. Yeah. Now, and, and this is, honestly, this is what, as somebody who lived in New York City and still lives yeah. in New York City and, and dealt with that, where, where I had friends and I had local restaurants and small businesses that got shuttered down because of mandates or because, uh, you know, because you couldn't do anything. They weren't allowed to open. They could have five people in at a time, like, and, and taxes continued to go up. It was awful to see. And that's, that's what's funny because um, Atlanta, these small businesses, that's the sin of the whole entire thing. Everybody, you know, these multi-million, hundred million dollar plus billionaire owners and, and the league and uh, TV rights and all this, they don't care about the local person. The Atlanta small business person around that area was banking, was calculating, was counting on it. How? Because I spoke to them. I spoke to them in 2021 when this was going down. And they were like, hey, let's just, I kid you not, they were like, let's just, you know what? Let's keep fighting for it. Keep pushing for it. Let's get through this because we will eventually recoup some of our costs when we get the All-Star game. It's only a couple months away. Let's just survive till there. Let's take out another loan. And guess what? They got screwed over. That's what sucks. That's the real sin that happened here. All right? Now, are they going to be recouped? I'm doing a big piece tomorrow. I spoke to a couple of them today. They're, they're like, where's my money? Pay me back for the lost <laughs> wages. I kid you. I mean, that's where it comes down to. I'm all about the average person. Uh, you know, it's, it's us against them, the powers that be. That's kind of how I, like, I live my life. Um, and, like, I feel bad for them. You, you know what I mean? Like, did, uh, like what, what about them about something that became so discombobulated and became something that it wasn't all for somebody's political or whatever gain? It just doesn't make sense. It's frustrating. And... Uh, if, I would say if there's any justification, the only justification is for those that said that the law wasn't what it was, 
I guess it wasn't because Major League Baseball just came back and said it wasn't because they're going to be there in two years. And Justice is also the World Series, Chad. Yeah, it's as close. That's right. The Braves won the World Series that year uh, that they they pulled the All-Star game. And that this is as close to an apology as you're going to get. Them just saying you're getting the game back now uh, uh, without saying it. That's what they're saying. So when I was in high school, Guns, uh, we did long-distance running for basketball conditioning. And I think every other Friday, we had to run through a neighborhood behind the high school and go to a stop sign and then come back. And uh, I I will confess, there were times where, like, someone leaving school that day would come in and see the whole basketball team running and pick a couple of us up. I'm not going to admit that it was me doing that, but maybe some teammates and drive them back part of the way to get back where you didn't have to (laughs) do the full two or three mile run, right? And went back. Punishment by exercise. It's one thing to do that in a non-sanctioned exercise activity for conditioning. It's far different what you wrote about what is now taking place in actual races. Uh, I mean, this is as wild. So there's a marathon. Now it's it's not, I want to say this. It's not like it's one of us. Like I would, if I was starting to run a marathon, I'd be like eight minutes in. I'm like, yo, I'm out. Like, peace out. Like this is, it's a lot harder than it looks. Eight minutes. Well done. (laughs) This is somebody who has set the record for like the two, the 200 K and has done like the Scottish 24 hour marathon. So it's someone legit. She was just like, uh, I'm out. She hopped in a car and drove two and a half miles and then just, just like ran back on and finished the race third third place she got and so uh so you know it became a hearing or there was a big fight over it obviously why because she was wearing a tracker and they started looking at the data oh. and they said that she ran a mile in 100 seconds which is faster than it was saying bulk could have done. <laughs> it's like, you stupid idiot. So uh, so she's banned for a year. I mean... Uh, just a year, though. Just a year. It's a stupid... <laughs> she was like, well, I told them that I didn't finish correctly. And they're like, well, why didn't you hand the trophy back? And why did you post all over your social media? I kid you not. Saying that she was the winner holding up oh. her third place medal. You idiot. Chad, not, not only uh, did uh, she beat Usain Bolt, uh, who fastest top speed... Ever. 27 <laughs> miles per hour. Yeah. 36 miles per hour on the tracker. <laughs> she, she didn't she think that, could, him. that could raise a couple question marks yeah. at the end yeah. of it. That, a, that was the problem. It's like, it's like uh, I've done stories about this. I always love this. The, uh, the convict that goes and applies for a job with yes. the police station, with the police. Oh. <laughs> and they're, they're like, uh, they're like, sir, yeah, come in for an interview, please. And then they cuff him on the spot. You but, can't make it up. Chad, like the I, killer always showing up to the scene of the crime to right. check things out. You know, yeah. They're usually around there snooping around when something yeah. happens. Yeah, Chad, I've, I've told the story a, a <laughs> couple times with him, guys, but yeah, uh, I didn't. I wasn't a fan of running uh, when I was playing sports in high school. Yeah, but we had to. There was this one kid, Colby King, R.I.P., who smoked like a freight train, and he had the emergency door propped open in the locker room, smoking a cigarette right before we'd go out for practice, and then he would outrun everyone on court uh, whenever we had to run based on, you know, whatever we were in it's trouble a med- for. It's a medical marvel. We yeah. called him uh, Colby's wind sticks <laughs> because he was blazing through wow. the it got competition. Him, it got him through the race. And we also w- uh, work with a guy by the name of Kirby who uh, smokes two packs a day and uh, drinks nothing but soft drinks, not diet drinks also, yeah. and yeah. is going to live to be 100. My, uh, I'm convinced. Yeah. He's the healthiest person I know. It's my, crazy. My grandpa lived to be over, a, uh, over 90 and ate a steak and potato and puffed cigars Every single day of his life. Maybe I should pick up this regimen. You um, know? It's a, well, I got the steak part down. At least red meat every day. Yeah. I could do that. Yeah. How about that? Filet medium. 
for all of us? Medium yeah. rare. Medium that rare. would uh, be a departure from Hutton's normal uh, diet of seed that he eats. Yeah. Uh, seeds and, uh, and quinoa. That's what Hutton normally has. By the way, I, uh, how about this? <laughs> I was on a date a couple of years ago, and I'm not a big, uh, I'm not a big vegetable per- person. Like okay. I'll order a bacon cheeseburger with just bacon, cheese, and burger. Like I even uh, I order a, a, a cheesesteak, no peppers, no onions. Like, no I, lettuce, I, 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 you're yeah. saying. Yeah. Oh, I, I hate it. I, I'm not a big vegetable person. Okay. So I'm standing in line with this date, and, uh, and uh, I was like, what is quinoa? It's hey, a, that's a common mistake. I think if when you com- see a word for the first time, well, like, yeah, you've said it and heard here, it. Yeah. If you've heard the word, well, but then when a, you see it, that's... Well, I guess it's because it was New York. It was like, she was like, what the hell are you talking about? The, the Q-U. She goes, it's quinoa or some sh- something. And I'm like, well, Q-U in my mind is question or quest. Yeah. And, like, yeah, and so. she dumped you on the spot yeah, for not yeah, knowing that word. We definitely did not make out that night. Guns, you're the man. But maybe Thanks tonight, for dropping by, you buddy. never know, Nashville, <laughs> let's go. Thanks, Guns. Guns show. Uh, check it out, outkick.com. Mike Gunzelman, the best. Coming up, dumpster fire of the week. Plus, wrong team favored across college football. Some winners for you next here on Hot Mike with Honey Withrow across the Outkick Network. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us here on the Outkick Network. Hot Mike with Honey Withrow. It's been a productive week. Yes. It's gone by fast. We've gotten, yeah, it, this has been a quick week. It's been a fun week. Lots to discuss. Next week, too, going into Thanksgiving. That's right. Plenty of football. And Next week should be even quicker. Yeah. Considering uh, we be. will have three shows yeah, that's next right. week. Got some uh, picks for you going to the college football weekend and some moneymaker locks for the NFL. But first, it's time for the dumpster fire of the week. Guys, have you been following what's going on with F1 in Vegas this week and weekend? Uh, I have I have seen reports, yes. I saw a, a video, which I think you're about to discuss, Hut. Yes. So uh, one of the drivers at a, a Ferrari um, is, uh, by the way, the, the, the map, the layout in Vegas looks phenomenal. And to think that a sporting event that has an economic impact two times that of a Super Bowl could be a flop in any way is crazy. But so far, it's a total disaster. Complete disaster. Yes. So you've got the downforce of the the F1 car that is going by, and, and it, the downforce is forcing these manhole covers, at least one of them, to be ripped out of the ground, not by just the cover itself, but the seal that's around it is being ripped out of the track. Normally, cities put down, and they will weld shut these manhole covers. Vegas elected not to do this. And now they're facing this issue where they are literally, last night, eight minutes into the first F1 practice, and they had to cancel it. And they've got another one coming up this evening. But when you see photos of what these guys are doing to fix the problem, they're, no joke, they have a caulk gun, and they're... <laughs> That's they're, crazy. Yeah, and, and they're, they're trying to fix the issue without actually fixing the issue, and they're trying to get on board with the idea that they're going to have this race go off with no more problems. Uh, team owners are pissed off. Uh, drivers pissed, releasing statements, just ripping into the fact that nothing was ready to go here. But here we are. And something that's been hyped and publicized 
and a 10-year agreement where Vegas has already spent $500 million, they can afford it, $500 million on a permanent paddock for this race over the next decade. First practice, eight minutes in, ripping up the track. Disaster so far. That's the dumpster fire. That is a bad one. Got to get that figured out. Caught uh, gun and a putty knife, by yeah. the way. Probably not going to get the job done. I don't know if MacGyver's the best solution for this. Yeah. No. Maybe MacGruber would be a better solution <laughs> uh, than MacGyver. I think he might have the answers. My dumpster fire this week is the entire uh, sideline reporting community. That is, uh, this, this Carissa Thompson quote has sparked this big feud. Um, we had Michelle Tafoya on, who's one of the best to ever do it, and she gave us some great perspective. You can go back and, and watch that interview, listen to her, talk about her perspective on all of this. But to me, what this whole thing did was kind of just set the whole thing ablaze a, a little bit. Uh, Carissa Thompson says something I, I still think was a bit overblown because people are taking that she's making up injuries or doing crazy things right. with what she's saying. What she's saying is probably paraphrasing what she maybe heard a coach say in a, a press conference earlier in the week and then just saying that. Now, or, if you're, or, or any, any yeah, coach would say. And, and I'm not defending it. If she's at, flat out lying, which today she clarified and said she hasn't. Uh, during, but if she flat out lies that I just spoke to the coach and he said this and then makes up something, that's not right. And, and I agree with all the sideline reporters doing this. But I've never questioned uh, the sideline reporters' work that are chiming in uh, on this. And I, I think it's a dumpster fire for, for this reason. There are probably people out there dumb enough to think that because Carissa Thompson said that on a Barstool podcast, that every report they hear now is made up, or some of them are from reporters. But Michelle Tafoya and Andrea Kramer and Tracy Wolfson and Molly McGrath and a lot of the sideline reporters that are really good at what they do have chimed in and really gone after this and kind of trying to take back some respect that, quite frankly, I don't think they ever lost with the sports community. I don't know people who don't respect those sideline reporters and the good job they do. Sideline reporting, it's not some sanctified area of reporting. But it's just like everything else in reporting or jobs. and You have good ones and bad ones. I don't think everyone who does it is great at what they do. I think Michelle Tafoy and Andrea Kramer and some that chimed in are great, and we should all know that. And whatever Carissa Thompson says should not take away from anything that anyone else does, even though I still think the story is a little bit overblown. So my dumpster fire is the entire sideline reporter community being lit ablaze this week with this quote from Carissa Thompson. Gentlemen, for my dumpster fire of the week, I wouldn't say this is something we've just had happen over the course of the week. This is something that apparently has been brewing for close to 30 years now. And it's not that serious, but the tie-in I want to make is one that I think everyone can relate to. It's funny. It's a good movie reference. But the Philadelphia Eagles, yesterday they ended up releasing two players. Miles Jack. You might remember Miles. He played at UCLA. was a linebacker. I believe he was initially drafted by the Jacksonville Jaguars. The other guy... Bernard Williams. Bernard Williams was a first-round pick out of the University of Georgia. You might be wondering, like, I don't remember the Eagles drafting a guy out of Georgia. Well, that's because it happened in the 90s. And this guy has not played a game in the NFL since 1994, and yet the Eagles released him yesterday. Now, you're probably thinking there's some clerical error that's happening here. What had happened was Williams ended up getting put on the commissioner's suspended list or a commissioner's exempt list because he – had possession of marijuana. Uh, I mean, we go back to 1994, so he, he ends up, I believe he was like on the all-rookie team that season, but for whatever reason, he gets hit again with another marijuana charge on one of his drug tests, 
And so he never requests to be readmitted back into the league. And so for many years, I believe this was around the same time that the Eagles' current owner, uh, Jeff Lowry? Jeffrey Lurie. Jeffrey Lurie. Yeah. Okay, I was a little, little off on that one. He Close enough. Around the time he bought the Petiti team. Petiti Petitri. Yeah, well. <laughs> and so now he's finally been removed from this list. But you can go from 1994 to we're sitting here in 2023. And I was born in 1994. That's like how long ago this was. So I don't know how you let this go for as long as it did. Now, it wasn't like they were paying him behind the scenes. It wasn't like a Milton from office space situation. And But the, the way I was going to tie this back in, Milton actually did commit arson, and that's where the fire <laughs> came about. That yeah. there, There's no actual well fire done. here. No, no actual yeah. uh, arson uh, on this one. I mean, get, I'm guessing that he possessed marijuana like in the locker room. Or on the sideline during a game? I'm still tracking down the Because just marijuana possession, or, or he had like a house full of marijuana. Because that seems like a long time to be on a commissioner's exempt list. Uh, unless he's like smoking up, blazing up, you know, in the huddle. Yeah, and it's like you, you would think they would at least be like, hey, we'll let you retire an Eagle. They just, they just went ahead and cut him. Does he get to come back for alumni weekend with the Eagles? We need to get Donovan McNabb on. Everyone gets an and, invite, And ask Chad. him that. Does this guy, does he come back around for alumni weekend? <laughs> Everyone gets an invite. Oh, yeah. Is it Alfred? Is that his name? Alfred Williams, Davey? Uh, Bernard. Bernard. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, Bernard. Very the guy, name the guy who, well, uh, yes. The guy who sparked one up during a game. He's, he's back this weekend. <laughs> Let's honor him. He's the 12th man. It's like the, the corner who was listening to music with his, uh, his earbuds in during oh the game. Gosh. Well, the, now the, the uh, during the game problems are people hopping on their phone at halftime, you know, going at a fan <laughs> at halftime on their phone or hitting That's sliding right. up in a girl's DMs uh, during halftime. And then, then then you have the sideline reporter who has to have, ask the coach, "What'd you tell your team at the half?" Uh, don't you think? You know, Hutton, <laughs> we once went to a Chris Rock concert where he was trying out uh, new material for a show, yeah, yeah. and uh, for a, a special, and they took our cell phones, right? They put in those little cases, plastic cases. They give them back yeah. to you at the end. If I run an NFL team, I'm probably doing that in my locker room. Like, just walk in, and we're going to put them in these cases. No one's going to take them. Uh, you, you, we're going to have control of them. Just you for know, the 12-minute half only, issue. You're going to be the only one to get back in there. No one's going to get in your phone and do anything. But, like, just for the time you're in the locker room and the game and they, then afterwards. They need to do that for all aspects of belongings and at, then the, at moment, the Rose Bowl. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> the moment, yeah, they just encase the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, then the moment they go to the bus, you give them the, the phones back. Chad? It's time to get some wins back for you. No, back? back. I, I've yet to win. <laughs> I'm I'm zero and eleven. Well, in this competition, is this right? This record that I'm looking at, Hutton is seven and four. Yeah, I was. I've lost some recently. I was seven and three or two. Recently. I mean, that is remarkable to pick Wrong an outright favorite. winner. Uh, now my record's uh, on the other end, miserable. But let's just point out that to be seven and four, not picking teams against the spread. But to win outright as an underdog is a remarkable record. And I, sh- I, I really feel like I feel robbed by the quarterback for Jacksonville State against South Carolina. I feel robbed in that one. Last week, I, I robbed everyone by taking Georgia Tech over Clemson. Not making that mistake again. Davies, by the way, is making a run at this. I was, uh, I was robbed last week by a last-second kick by Arizona where I could have got 10.5 on the board. For Colorado, but that didn't happen. D- so, Davey, Davey, did you win last week? No, you didn't. No, I didn't win last week. I had uh, Utah. Uh, they, they weren't able to pull off the upset against NC Washington. State. So, NC State week two, two weeks ago, yeah. yeah. And then I had West Virginia over UCF the week before that. So, yeah, I did have a two-week yeah, you've, run there where I was able to kind of make a little bit of ground. So, Wrong team favorite for me this week. Uh, I'm going with uh, a team that plays well at home. 
uh, especially in big moments and uh, crucial opportunities for their opponent. And I'm taking Kansas at home over K-State this week. It's up to nine and a half, by the way. Uh, well, it's down half a point based on this, so it's dropped. It was eight and a half earlier this week. Nine and a half currently as we uh, talk right now on this Friday. So uh, Will Howard for Kansas State, he has thrown some picks in some crucial moments for that team. Kansas can run the football. Can they do it against K-State? No running back has gone over 120 yards rushing uh, against Kansas State this season. I'm betting with the home atmosphere, the rivalry, and what I've seen Kansas do juiced up over the fact that Oklahoma was in town. Underdog at home to K-State, who's not the same K-State that we're used to seeing even last year. I'm taking the Jayhawks, even with potentially their third-string quarterback playing, because I think they can run, and I'm betting on the fact that they get the ball back often in this game at home with the atmosphere being what it is. Give me 10. All right, it's my turn. Um, not a lot of thought went to this. I'm going to be completely honest. I need a big game. I need a big win. I can't piecemeal this with seven wins to get up to 33 points because we have two weeks left in the regular season. It's go big or go home time, baby. And I have been to this stadium, Hutton has as well, and you don't just walk into Provo and walk out winners easily. No. And BYU is a 24-and-a-half-point home underdog uh, against Oklahoma this week. So The 25-year-olds win? Give me the elder statesman, Hutton. That's right. Give me BYU. I, I don't know much about BYU. I just know they're home and that they're 24 and a half point underdogs and I need to win bad. And if I win this, I will be ahead of Davey in second place. So wow. let's well done. go Cougs. Let's go Cougs. Get it done this week. Chad, you're operating under the assumption that I am losing this week. I am. So, guys, I'm going with UCLA over USC and I got that game locked in at six and a half. The reasoning behind win it. Win one for the chipper. <laughs> it's pretty much, yeah, it's going out. Like, do these guys actually like their head coach? I think we'll find the answer. The other reason, too, is just everything's going against USC. Uh, their defense, they don't know how to play. You look at Caleb Williams, he's lost out on everything that he was looking to accomplish this year. Now, this is uh, one of those games where I don't anticipate the crowd being that big of a factor. USC, UCLA, I could be wrong. It could be the only game people show up to watch in Los Angeles it, it won't the college be ranks. But right now, I, I just think... You look at the last two matchups for these teams. Uh, last year, USC barely pulled off the victory. UCLA destroyed them two years ago. And so looking at this team right now, I think they'll give a fight for their coach on the way out. And that's why I have, you know, it's a rivalry game. You never know what's going to happen. That's why I'm taking UCLA uh, technically on the road this week. NFL moneymaker lock for me. Monday night, take the under. Not just because it's 11-1. and one. Uh, 11 and two now, I believe, uh, for the Monday night football matchups. Uh, I'm taking the the under for Kansas City and uh, uh, Philadelphia because the defense for KC is the storyline. The Super Bowl in the rematch, the Super Bowl, the over under was 51 and a half. This one's at 45 and a half. Take the under and win with me on Monday night. I am going to go. You got Detroit. And I love that one. I'm going to Detroit to go big over Chicago this week. In golf, we Give trust. me the Lions. That's right. And I'm taking the Vikings on the road against the Broncos for the under 43 unders. It's been where it's at. I talked about it earlier. I don't need to rehash it. 25 and 7, night games. Take the under. Win with the unders. Chad, would you take the over in Georgia, Tennessee? Uh, no. No. 
Have a great football under. weekend back on Monday. Take the under.